0: You're listening to a sermon from Leewood Baptist Church. For more information about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com. Today we continue in our series through the book of Genesis. We've started in the last four or five weeks going through Genesis. We started out in Genesis 1 seeing that God is the creator of all things a consistent theme throughout the book of Genesis that we have seen that uh, we, we begin to see who God is and who we are. And so we saw that God is the creator of all things, that all things that God creates is good. But then we saw in Genesis 3 where sin enters the picture. Adam and Eve disobey God. They eat of the fruit of the tree there in the garden that God said not to. And so then we as a human race, we are cursed by sin. We see that we are depraved is the fancy word for that, that we have our natural tendency, our nature is to sin. And so then we begin to see that unfold. We saw that unfold in the account and narrative of Cain and Abel, where Cain kills his brother. We see the sinfulness of humanity, even as we got to the account in Genesis 6 through 9 of Noah and the flood, where human wickedness had spread throughout the world, and God regretted he had even created humanity, and so he destroys humanity because God has to punish sin. God cannot tolerate sin because ultimately He is holy. And so that would be a contradiction. And so we saw how God poured out His wrath on the earth through a flood, but we also saw God's mercy... And that he spared Noah and his family. He rescued them by means of an ark. And we saw how that's a picture of the gospel. How that we as humanity, though we are wicked, we are sinful, we are rebellious towards God. God has sent us a rescuer in Jesus Christ to save us. Then last week, we kind of came to a bit of a screeching halt as we journey through Genesis together. We came to Genesis chapter 10. And we began to see the genealogy from Noah to Abraham. And we saw why that's important, because we understand that God is using these people to bring about that promised rescuer that he had said in Genesis 3, the one that was going to come and save humanity from their sins. And so God uses these people. So we come to Genesis chapter 11, We dabbled in the last half of Genesis 11 as we went through these genealogies, but today we're going to talk about the Tower of Babel. But before we get into Genesis chapter 11, when we come to Genesis 11, we have often been taught, and even correctly, that Genesis 11 is was put into the Bible to describe the origin of languages. If you know the story, and if you don't, that's okay. We're going to go through it here in just a moment to describe the origin of languages here in Genesis 11. But we saw in Genesis 10 and verse 5 something that said, about people and languages and being spread out. So turn back over to Genesis chapter 10 and verse 5. I wanna show us something together as a faith family here in verse 5 of Genesis chapter 10. So hold your finger in 11, go back to Genesis 10 and look at verse 5. In Genesis 1 through 4, there's a list of names of descendants of Noah. But then in verse 5, it says, From these descendants, the peoples of the coast and islands spread out into their lands according to, the, to their clans and their nations, each with its own language. And now we come to Genesis 11, where God's going to mix up languages to spread people throughout the world And so it could be easy for us to be a little bit confused, like what came first, the genealogies in Genesis 10 or Genesis 11. But we need to understand that the Bible's not always written chronologically. Like if you go get a book from the library and you're reading a novel and in that novel you have your chapters it kind of works chronologically the bible doesn't do that and genesis 10 the writer of genesis moses he's writing he mentions he gives us a a hint in genesis 10 that these people spread they had their own languages But then in Genesis 11, he tells us how this happened. And sometimes biblical writers, when they have something shocking to say about why an event happens, you put it at the beginning of the event. And if you want to shock and bring about attention to it, you wait and you put it at the end of the event. And so that is what's happening here. So don't be confused by Genesis 10, 5, when it says the people spread in their lands, each with their own language by their clans and nations, we're going to see how this happened here in Genesis 11. And as we see this here in Genesis 11, these people and what God does, we come to, again, a better understanding of who we are as a human race that we have a tendency to come up with our own plans and our own ways that are not God's plans and God's ways. And we'll see how God intervenes in that moment. So look at Genesis chapter 11. We'll start reading in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. We have Bibles in the pew in front of you there. If you don't own a Bible, we would invite you to take that with you. That is our church's gift to you. Look at Genesis chapter 11 and verse 1. It says this. The the whole earth had the same language and vocabulary. As people migrated from the east, they found a valley in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let us make an oven-fired bricks. Make oven-fired bricks. They used brick for stone and asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower from it with its top in the sky. Let us make a name for ourselves, otherwise, we will be scattered throughout the earth. Isn't it interesting that some things never change? I mean, I don't know how long ago this was in Genesis 11. It was thousands upon thousands of years, but it's in our human nature where we don't like to change, do we? We don't like change from the time we come out of the womb. That's why we cry. We don't want to leave the womb. We want to stay there. We don't like change. All the way to the point with her where we age and we have to move out of our home because we can't stay there anymore. We don't like change. That is part of human nature. Well, here are these people. They don't want to change because they said, let us build a city with a tower. Let's make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered throughout the earth. What this sounds like is people who do not want to move. They're happy. They're content. They don't want to be there. But that was disobedience. You say, Adam, really? It doesn't say anything about disobedience here. God hadn't said not to do this. Well, turn over to Genesis chapter 9. Go back to Genesis chapter 9 and verse 1. Because God gave Noah and his sons a command, and this command was supposed to be passed down through generations. So look at Genesis chapter 9 and verse 1. This was after the flood. It says this, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So let's break down this command that God gives them. He says, be fruitful and multiply. What's God saying? Have babies. Procreate. Multiply. Grow. We have a growing children's ministry. If you would like to contribute to that by having more kids, we will more than welcome that, if you're physically able. Be fruitful and multiply. God said as a command he gave Noah and his family. But look at the second part of this command that God told Noah and his sons. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. What's God saying? Multiply. Have babies procreate, and then what does God say? spread out don't just stay in one place, spread out, go don't stay in the same place, but what are they doing now back in Genesis chapter eleven let 's make let 's build a city with a big tower, and let 's make a name for ourselves so otherwise we'll be scattered throughout the earth. So why what these people are doing, they're building a city. And when people build a city, what's the idea idea there? To stay. To stay there. And so God had told Noah, his sons, and the people to, to multiply, to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, to scatter, to spread out. And so they're not doing that. They're wanting to stay right where they are. They want their comfort. They want to stay there. They weren't spreading. They were clustering is what they're doing here. Verse 4 is key. First, they want to build a city. Second, they want to build a tower to the sky or some translations to the heavens. Then third, they want to make a name for themselves And fourth, the goal is to not spread out. So it's all about them. It's all about their way, not God's way. And isn't that like, I read this, I'm like, some things never change. We have our own ideas. Often our ideas and our desires are rooted in our own comfort, in our own preferences, and in our own desires. And that's our human nature. That's our depravity is to be comfortable, to stay the same. And so we do that, we don't change, we don't do that, and then we are disobedient to what God tells us to do. We have to understand at a foundational level that God's goal for us is not for us to be comfortable God's desire is to make himself known. But we have this propensity to ignore God's command and do things our way and disregard what he says. But let's keep reading Genesis chapter 11, verse 5. It says, Then the Lord came down to look over the city, and the tower that the humans were building. The Lord said, If they have begun to do this as one people, all having the same language, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down there and confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So from there, the Lord scattered them throughout the earth. They stopped building the city, therefore, it is called Babylon. For there, The Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them throughout the earth. So we see that God comes down, and God takes matters into His own hands. And why can God do that? Because He's God. Remember, we saw this all the way back in Genesis 1 a few weeks ago. In the beginning, God... All of life, all of creation revolves around God. It's all about Him. And you say, Adam, that's really kind of arrogant of God. Like, does God have self esteem issues to where He needs us to uh, glorify Him and make Him known? No, absolutely not. Because at God's core, He is good. And when God is glorified, that goodness is spread. So God comes down and he shatters their disobedience and he makes their clustering there in that city impossible. He confuses their language and he breaks humanity and he breaks them into many peoples and languages. And God does this because of their disobedience. God had told them, be fruitful and multiply, which they did that part but they were not filling the earth. They were not scattering as he had commanded Noah and his sons. So God comes down and look at verse 7 again. He says, come, let's go down there and confuse their language. So it sounds like there God saying let's or let us go down there and confuse their language. So we see another evidence here in in Genesis of God's triune nature. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all equally God making one God. We saw this earlier in Genesis when God said, let us make man in our own image. So we see this, and God scatters them. He confuses their language of the whole earth, and from there, God scattered them throughout the earth. See, what God was doing here, He was breaking humanity of their own self-sufficiency. Because it is our human nature to desire to be in control, to make our own way, to climb the corporate ladder, to do things in our own way leaning on our own wisdom and our own understanding and forgetting what God wants us to do. And so we have this tendency, this nature to do this as as, as people. And what they were trying to do was build this tower and make a name for themselves. And what that is, that is just simple, pure pride. Pride. So they come to this place, this arrogancy, saying, we'll build this tower, we'll reach God, we will make ourselves like God. And that's what sin is. Sin in our own lives is building towers in order to make ourselves known. It's all about ourselves. And as soon as we make it all about ourselves and not about God, then we disobey God and we forget what He commands us to do. And this plays itself out in all kinds of ways. It plays out in that we we, we desire our own self-sufficiency, we want to do things our own way. And as we become more and more self-sufficient, we forget less and less about, we forget more and more about God, and it becomes all about us and what we can do. And so what God does is he comes down and he breaks us of our disobedience. You say, Adam, how does that happen? It happens a hundred different ways. But God comes down and he reveals our sinfulness. He changes our lives. And then he commands us to go and multiply and spread. You say, Adam, how does this play out? It plays out through the gospel. See, at our nature, we're just much like these people, desiring to do things our own way, ignoring God's commands. We're sinful. We're rebellious. We shake our fists at God. And then God came down in Jesus Christ to save us. And you see, doing things our own way, going our own way and living a self-sufficient life, living a prideful life, it will give you some temporary satisfaction. It will. It will feel good for a while. But at the end, as we continue down that path of self-sufficiency, what we will do is we will end up at the destination of emptiness. Emptiness. And we'll keep going further and further down that path of emptiness and we'll start building towers in our lives. Not literal towers, but we'll start trying to add things into our life to fill that emptiness. We'll try to fill that emptiness with relationships. We'll try to fill that emptiness, that void, with family We'll try to fill that emptiness with advancing in our careers. We'll try to fill that emptiness with alcohol, with drugs, with sex, and we'll just keep going down further and further down this path of self-sufficiency, trying to fill the void. But all that happens is we still end up empty. And so God declares to us, the only way that you can have sufficiency, the only way that you can have satisfaction, the only way you can have completion in your life is with me. See, these people in Genesis chapter 11, they were trying to find their sufficiency, their completion as people in their city and their tower. But they did not have God and it wasn't good enough. So by God coming down, breaking their disobedience and making them clustering impossible and spreading them out was a sign of his grace. Because God's plan is always best. And so God comes down in our own emptiness, and our own void in our lives, and he fills it with his mercy and his grace. And he adopts us as sons and daughters through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross and his death and his resurrection. That's the only thing that can complete us. So you may be here this morning and you find yourself building a lot of cities and towers in your life to fill the emptiness. But let me tell you, even from personal experience, that just leads to more emptiness. And you desperately need Jesus. So you might find yourself here this morning sitting in that desperate, empty place, and you've never believed in Jesus. And let me tell you, if you believe in Jesus Christ and you follow Him, you will have satisfaction and completion like you've never experienced before. And you will understand that a life of freedom is a life that is not about yourself, but it's about Christ. You may be here as a believer and even as believers and followers of Christ, we have a tendency to build cities and towers in our own lives. Because nothing changes. Nothing changes over the thousands upon thousands of years since this happened in Genesis 11. It's still in our human nature. We're all family, we inherit it from one another. So even as believers in Jesus Christ, we often forget, even as we sang this song prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And so we forget God and His mercy and His grace, and we forget the gospel and what Jesus has provided for us, and we go back down that road of emptiness again. And we start building those towers and cities trying to fill the emptiness. And so, brother or sister, I ask you, what city, what tower are you building in your life? I have to evaluate my own life. What tower and what city am I building in my own life to fill the emptiness? And that can manifest itself in our families, It can manifest itself itself in relationships. It can even manifest itself in a church. And we can build those cities. We can build these towers in our lives. And yes, it can provide a brief respite from the emptiness, but it will still always lead back to emptiness. And so, brother, sister, faith, family, I ask us, what in our lives, what are the cities and towers we are building in our lives that, are, that we're trying to fill the, fill the void in our lives that only the gospel can fill? And I can promise you that as we turn back to Christ, we follow God again, and we listen to Him, and we follow what He desires for us, there is satisfaction and grace unknown. And it's lavished upon us. There was a fella in the Bible, his name was David. David was was called a man after God's own heart. He had about as close of a relationship with God as you can. David became king of all of Israel. David had killed Goliath, the Philistine. You know the story. But it was God's desire for him as king to go out to war. And what did David do? He didn't go. He stayed. See, nothing changes from Genesis 11 to 1 Samuel. Nothing changes in our human nature. David stayed. He goes upon up on a rooftop and he sees a woman bathing herself. He desires her. He brings her in. He commits adultery with her. She conceives a child and he finds out she's married. And so, her husband was in his army. He puts him on the front lines to have him killed in battle. And so all of a sudden, a man after God's own heart is now an adulterer and a murderer. God, by his grace and his mercy, sends Nathan, a prophet, and sends him and says, You are the man that's done this. Nathan calls David out for his sin and then. David writes a psalm. So turn to that psalm with me, to Psalm 51. And look at verse 1. At the top of this psalm, my Bible says, a psalm of David when the prophet Nathan came to him after he had gone to Bathsheba. That was the woman that he committed adultery with. And look at verse 1. David writes this after he had built a city and tower to fill the emptiness in his life. And he does this and he realizes it. And look at verse 1, it says this. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt And cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me surely you desire integrity in the inner self and you teach me wisdom deep from within. Purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy. Do you hear the satisfaction there? Restore the joy. Where does that joy come from? Of your salvation to me. See, when we begin to build these towers and cities in our lives, that is when we begin to forget the joy of our salvation. Let's keep going. And sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. So again, I pose the question to us, As a faith faith family, as brothers and sisters, what city, what towers are we building to fill the void and emptiness in our lives? And my challenge to each of us is to return to that joy of our salvation. To turn back to God to turn back to Christ David also wrote in a psalm he said oh taste and see that the lord is good and at every root of our sin just as we saw in genesis 3 the root of every sin is the rejection of the goodness of god so let's taste and see that the lord is good pray with me. Heavenly Father, we recognize again Your holiness and our sinfulness. God, because ultimately each of us, our hearts desire You and to know You, ultimately we have this void, this emptiness in our lives, and God, we try to fill it with just about everything else other than you. So, God, I pray for anyone that is here that is never trusted and believed in you, that today you would open to their eyes, they're, they're open their eyes to the need of salvation, that they need you. God, I pray for those of us that are your children. I pray for us as your church. God, forgive us for building these towers and cities in our hearts and our lives to fill a void in our lives. God, restore the joy of your salvation in our lives. Do a work that only you can do. God, I pray for us as a church corporately as we pray about and consider our future. God, forgive us for in the past for building cities and towers to try to fill a temporary void in our lives. But God, I pray that we would be open handed and we would follow you because we know your command is for us to spiritually to go and multiply and to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth cause us as your church to be obedient. Lord, break us of our sin. We thank you that you forgive us our sins, that you are just and faithful, and that you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you're in the Kansas City area, we'd love to have you be our guest. We're located at 8200 State Line Road in Leawood, Kansas. Worship services are on Sunday mornings at 1030. To learn more about us, visit our website at leawoodbaptist.com.